Amongst the long lists of foreign policy failures and contradictions in the last few years, including of course the bombing of Libya, uh, the desire to arm the rebels in Syria, has been the unnecessary provocation of Vladimir Putin. This EU empire, ever seeking to expand, stated its territorial claim on the Ukraine some years ago. Uh, just to make that worse, of course, some NATO members said they, they, they too would like the Ukraine to join NATO. We directly encouraged the uprising in the Ukraine that led to the toppling of the President Yanukovych, and that led, of course, in turn to Vladimir Putin reacting. And the moral of the story is if you poke the Russian bear with a stick, don't be surprised when he reacts. Welcome back to another episode of Our Interesting Times. It is my pleasure to have Dr. E. Michael Jones back on the show. First, Dr. Jones is the editor of Culture Wars magazine, the author of several books, including Logos Rising, A History of Ultimate Reality, and the re recently released uh, second edition of the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit and its impact on world history. I believe in about a month or so, you have a book coming out regarding art, right? Right, yes, a book on aesthetics. The dangers of beauty, the conflict between, between mimesis and concupiscence in the fine arts. The shipping date uh, from the printer is May 23rd, so we should have copies at the end of May. Very good. And you can find, go, find it by going to culturewars.com or fidelitypress.org. I guess you can pre-order it no, soon? Or? No pre-orders. Oh, it's, okay. too, it's too complicated. As soon as uh, the book is available, we'll start shipping copies. Okay, sounds good. Uh, well, tonight I had you back on because, um, well, everything, this is like a few months ago, everything was COVID. Now it's Ukraine. <laughs> I That's guess right. One crisis at a time. They, That's they give right. us. <laughs> I always liken it like a martial arts movie where the protagonist, the, his adversaries always have the decency to come at him one at a time. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so such suggests that these things don't really exist. I mean, they exist, but they don't really exist. They're concocted, and it's a it's a narrative. It's a, I mean, these things they, they can spring up and they be created. For, they serve some other interests, as uh, you know, as COVID did, and this U Ukrainian crisis uh, did that they're created. Well, you know, you had this debate um, with uh, Greg Johnson regarding the Ukraine and white nationalism, and what's the I guess the responsibility of a what's the what type of response should uh, those in the West have towards. Uh, this crisis in the Ukraine. I guess he advocated for us. I guess a white moral material support, and I guess if you if you fill up to it, uh, forming a sort of sort of a white nationalist foreign legion and taking up the uh, I guess the standard of the Ukrainian government, which is sovereign. So I'll uh, let you take it from there because you participate in in the, the debate. Yeah, great great idea. Uh, so it's like Charlottesville on steroids. Mm -hmm. uh, so Charlottesville, they were uh, the the white boys showed up. 
uh, and rightly uh, thinking that they had uh, the protection of uh, the First Amendment, the right to assemble and the right to free speech, which they did not have. We did not have. And it became obvious that they didn't have it. So basically, they were lured into a trap and the leadership uh, basically handed out spears and told them to charge the machine gun nest. The machine gun nest in this instance was uh, the legal battles that were created afterwards by a chubby lesbian kike. That's the way she describes herself. Don't get mad at me. This is the way she describes herself uh, by the name of Roberta Kaplan, who goes and raises money so that she can persecute these white boys who thought that they were protected by the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. And they were subjected to legal. It's much worse. It's much worse because uh, that was kind of stupid. But this is suicidal. Uh, you're, they're taking their lives in their hands. And there are actually uh, uh, people from all, all over the West who are volunteering to fight in on the side of the Ukraine. The Russians are not asking for any volunteers. They don't want any volunteers. The Ukrainian president is asking for volunteers. And uh, a couple thousand showed up and they were in some camp near the Polish border and they were annihilated by a uh, Russian missile strike. The Russian uh, uh, Russians have hypersonic missiles. And so one of the guys who was there uh, but didn't get killed, did a, a, a video where he said, we're all going to die here. It's just terrible. Don't come. It's a trap. The Ukrainians are basically using us as cannon fodder. Uh, so uh, about 100, depending on who you listen to, about 180 guys who had volunteered to die for the gay disco did, got what they, got what they wished, uh, uh, and they died. They died in an absolutely futile cause. Uh, that should never have happened in the first place. So it's just uh, so that was the premise of the debate. I, it was orchestrated by Frodi Mitjord, who's a Norwegian uh, a white guy, uh, born uh, into, in Norway, uh, baptized into the Lutheran Church, and then the Lutheran Church evaporated during this period of time. And so he was left with an identity crisis. Uh, and he just uh, did a video. I think uh, in response to the debate, uh, which he orchestrated, and my article, uh, which is available at UNS Review now. Uh, yeah, the, I'm sorry, he, sorry, the article, Are the White Boys Willing to Die in Defense of the Gay Disco, published on the 29th of March at UNS Review. Right, that's the article, yes. Uh, so his response uh, is uh, uh, basically a, a kind of, a video in which he's wandering around on some uh, island. I think it's Pharaoh. I think that's where he lives, which is like the Swedish version of Martha's Vineyard, which is where the elites, uh, Swedish elites go for summer vacation. And Ingmar Bergman had a house there. And you can watch two of his uh, movies. I believe Shame and uh, The Hour of the Wolf were both filmed on, on Pharaoh. So it's one of these barren islands, you know, pretty far north. And he's talking about uh, the Christian revolutionary spirit. Well, wait a minute. That, that sounds familiar, except I called it the Jewish revolutionary spirit. And he's talking about how Christianity has basically uprooted all of his, uh, alienated him from his ancestors. He's a long conversation with a German uh, today. 
who is familiar with my, my work and said pretty much the same thing is happening in Germany. So what you have in Germany or Europe, but especially in the formerly Protestant countries of Europe, is that the faith is evaporating and that creates a vacuum and the vacuum is being filled uh, by being white. Well, these people were never white. It, it has no meaning. A word white only has meaning in relationship to British colonies, in particular, the colony of Virginia, uh, where there was a play. If you look at the OED, the Oxford English Dictionary on Historical Principles, the first time that the word white gets applied to human beings is in a play that took uh, appeared in London about the beginning of the 17th century, let's say 1613, uh, right around the time of the founding of the colony of Virginia, uh, where they had, they were going tobacco and they had a mixed workforce of indentured slaves who were uh, English, Scotch, Irish, and so on and so forth, and African, African slaves. And in order to differentiate, uh, or let's say to, to divide the workforce, they created two classes. And that was the beginning of what we now call racism. It had nothing whatsoever to do with anything in Europe at this time, and certainly nothing to do with anything uh, in Scandinavia, and also nothing to do with anything in the Ukraine, which did not exist at that time. We're talking about a period, if you're talking about the 17th century, you're talking about a time when the Ukraine was pretty much a province of Poland. Poland had a very, uh, was a very, had a very large area at that point. Uh, and at this point, the one group that did have an impact on that area were the Jews. They, they came from this area. In the eighth century, uh, when the, the, uh, the Jews came into existence, these the Ashkenazi, this was known as Khazaria. And uh, basically, that, those tribes, they were Turkic tribes that lived on the northern uh, shore of the, of the Black Sea. They converted to Judaism at the same time that the Kievan Rus, a little bit earlier, but around the time of the Kievan Rus, converted to Christianity under Cyril and Methodius. So that's where the Jews came from. And then when Poland disappeared uh, at the, the partition of Poland, uh, the Jews then ended up on the western border of Russia, on the Russian Empire. And that's where the problem started. Okay. Now, you this have is, a situation. This is the Pale Settlement, right? This is called the Pale of the Settlement. Okay. So the problem here is now is that this is the uh, interface with the West. And now the Jews speak a language that is very close to German. They speak Yiddish. And German is the language of, this is a time now of the German Enlightenment. And German is the language of philosophy, but it's also the language of revolution. All these revolutionary ideologies are coming into this uh, to this area uh, because Yiddish is a lot closer to German than it is to Russian. It's not related to Russian at all, and it is very close to German. So they could read German, read the German Enlightenment thought, and so on and so forth. And at a certain point, by the middle of the 19th century, they could read Karl Marx. And what you had was a huge conflict at this point uh, among the Jews, the enlightened Jews, uh, between Zionism and communism. So Jewish internationalism versus Jewish nationalism. Winston Churchill wrote about this, this uh, conflict, right? Or 
Yeah, yeah, he wrote an article which he regretted, I think, uh, in the Illustrated Weekly News in 1919, when it became critical because suddenly, uh, so basically at this point in time, you have uh, the, the Jews engaging in revolutionary activity. So they 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 tr they began. It happened when the the czar opens up universities. As soon as he lets the Jews into the universities, they immediately form cells and become revolutionaries. So the first uh, organization was Cherny Peradel, the Black Path, and that was uh, a, basically a back to the land movement where the Jews would or the revolutionaries would go to the peasants and try to mobilize them and get them to stand up for their rights for their emancipation. Didn't work. Uh, as soon as the Jewish revolutionary showed up in the village, the peasants would go to the police and say, there's this crazy Jew trying to turn us into revolutionaries, and it failed. So at that point, the Jews turned to terrorism. Uh, and they created their own organization, which is not a Naya Voli or the National Will. And these were the, the first dynamite, first stick of dynamite that ever came into Russia came through Narodnaya and it was used by these Jewish revolutionaries to blow up the Tsar's railroad tracks and try to kill the Tsar. And they eventually did succeed in killing the Tsar in 1881. Lenin's elder brother was part of this plot. Uh, Lenin joined Narodnaya as soon as he went to the university. He was inducted into the same terrorist organization. Now, this caused a reaction. Because the the uh, the uh, secret police, the Okhrana, uh, understood that this, these are Jews. The Jews are running the revolution, so we're going to have to crack down on the Jews. Now that was difficult because they lived off by themselves in these shtetl, these little villages in the pale of the settlement, and they couldn't crack it. But the re so the reaction was against J Jews in general. Uh, there were pogroms. Uh, even though they are disputed, Solzhenitsyn disputes those uh, stories, the standard pogrom stories, says that were basically revolutionary uprisings. But anyway, the net result is that large numbers of Jews left, traveled across Europe, made it to Hamburg, and from Hamburg they sailed to New York City. And they took up residence in New York City, and they eventually became communists there. Irving Kristol, uh, the, the two alcoves at City College of New York, one was Stalinist and the other was Trotskyite. And they basically rose to power in the United States to the point where they took over our foreign policy, which happened under the administration of George W. Bush. The, the war in Iraq was their triumph. They were supposed to help out Israel, it made things worse for Israel, uh, but uh, they, you know that's not their problem. And the same Jews that were uh, cheering that war on are cheering this war on. Big surprise. The neocons never met a war they didn't like. And so Max Boot and Bill Crystal are now cheering on uh, the Americans to send weapons to the gay disco. So here you uh, enter Greg Johnson. Here he, he is. He's uh, the race man. He started off life in as a Catholic. Now he's uh, arguing that... Uh, uh, the white nationalist movement should admit uh, homosexuals. Uh, and because of that, he's a big supporter of the gay disco. So now you've got, you've got so, so what happened in the Ukraine at this period of time? Uh, after this Russian revolution, Stalin decides he's going to mechanize agriculture and create uh, big heavy industry in the Donbass region, which is where it is today. 
And so he sends uh, Lazar Kaganovich there, and basically Lazar Kaganovich begins a process that's going to lead to millions of Ukrainians starving to death. It was it was completed by Gendrik uh, Yagoda, uh, but it was basically the Cheka, their terrorist organization, um, uh, which was run by Jews. So now you have the situation here where it's the, it's like the magic disappearing Jew. So you got uh, the Ukrainians uh, have remember what the Jew what the Jews did to them during the Holodomor, the starvation, and so Hitler shows up, uh, uh, the Nazis show up, and they join them because hell we hate we hate the well, who do you hate? What's this group? Well, they identify them as Russians. Well, no, you're you're missing the point here. It wasn't Russians who did this to you. It was Jews. It was the Bolsheviks. This was a Jewish coup d'etat. And so with this sleight of hand, you suddenly see how this coalition formed. So you have uh, Victoria Nuland, who is now uh, spending $6 billion to basically overthrow the government of the Ukraine. The Ukraine is a new country. It came into existence in 1991 with the uh, collapse of the Soviet Union. It, it was never a country before that. It was always a province. Okay, so now we are going to, the United States is going to overthrow that government. Well, uh, they need support. And so guess who volunteers? It's the descendants of the Nazis, uh, the Bandera brigades, the Azov brigade, the sided with the Nazis and blamed the Holodomor on Russians. So you got two groups that hate the Russians. You got the neocons, the descendants of the Jews who left after the pogroms, who came to power in the United States. They hate the Russians. And then they're weaponizing these Azov Brigade, which are basically Nazis who had worked with the SS to exterminate Jews and Poles. But now it's okay. Even the ADL, the ADL came out in support of the Nazis in the Ukraine. It shows you how bizarre the situation is, is and, and basically how meaningless the whole situation is. And now you have Greg Johnson, Mr. White Nationalist, uh, supporting the same thing. You're supporting the gay disco. Now, why do I say the gay disco? Because I was in Berlin at the American embassy and there's a bear symbol of Berlin with a rainbow flag draped around it. And the flagpole has a rainbow flag on it where it should have an American flag because the ambassador is a homosexual. I forget his name. And they have a plaque saying the bear is wearing a gay banner because this is a commemoration of all the people who died and were murdered in that Orlando disco, the gay disco in Orlando. So the, the government had deliberately identified itself. The United States government identified itself with the gay disco as the gay disco. And that's pretty much what the battle is in the Ukraine, you've got these, uh, the Jews and their Russian, uh, their Nazi proxy warriors, the Ukrainians, fighting, uh, uh, fighting the Russians who have basically banned the promotion of homosexuality and have said, after years of trying to talk sense to the people, uh, to the Americans, to NATO, uh, uh, entered the country. Now, to say it's an invasion is kind of loaded, but uh, I understand what they're saying. But the fact of the matter is that the war started in 2014 when Victoria Newland overthrew the government. 
and and after that time these these nazi criminals uh were basically bombarding the eastern provinces of the ukraine where the russian speakers predominated and they killed 14,000 people and putin felt that he had the um the duty to protect the russian speaking population now this is this is okay it's bad enough okay up to the point of the debate is bad enough that you have this guy who's claiming to be some type of racial uh nationalist who doesn't really represent his own people surprise where have we heard this this is the standard operating procedure of every single movement right now is basically you have a group of people and then you sell them out in the interest of some greater power who may or may not be giving you money to do this or you may just be committed to the idea of the gay disco for other reasons and as a result uh the people are dying now literally dying and even worse than that now you've got a massive massive propaganda campaign that makes covid look kind of mild by comparison that propaganda campaign i mean this is ferocious and it's vicious on top of that okay it's so it, we know they're lying we know they're lying but the problem here is that their lying uh allows them the lying the complicity of the media allows these nazi criminals to basically commit one atrocity after another because they know that the media are all going to blame the russians for it so they are basically subsidizing the carnage uh, the murder the atrocities against the ukrainian people that's what the mass media are doing today as we speak so so uh, let's go we'll go back a week we had mariupol those russians they they bombed a maternity hospital and there was that poor woman she comes out she's just preg pregnant she's got blood all over her face well it turns out that that lady just held a press conference and she said uh, basically the exact opposite of what the mass media had said about it so it wasn't the russians who bombed it wasn't an aerial attack it was the ukrainians the ukrainians showed up the nazis the azov brigade showed up took over the hospital okay stole the food from the pregnant women who needed that for their children uh because they hadn't eaten in five days which is a good indication that's what the woman said they told her it's a good indication they've been cut off they're not being supplied okay and they're taking it out on the civilian population and then they fire artillery shells into the hospital and then they know they do this with impunity because they know that the western media is going to say the russians did it this is this is vicious this is pernicious this is this is disgusting and because the one the woman who telling the story said the guy who was orchestrating this whole thing like making sure she got they got her picture making sure she had lots of blood on her face that was the reporter for the associated press so we got we got supposed to be the press giving some type of objective uh, account of what's going on working for the propaganda ministry of the gay disco this is despicable and and mr white guy here uh, basically is supporting it i mean this is this is outrageous and the farther i get away from it the more outraged i feel yeah and recently that there was a, a reported massacre in uh, a town called buka i think buka that's right that's exactly today that's the atrocity du jour 
That's the black, the false flag du jour. We're familiar with this. I know the playbook. I was, I remember what happened in the war in Yugoslavia. Remember Rachak? Do you remember Rachak? Yeah, one of the supposed uh, Serbian massacres, right? Yeah, that was a Serbian massacre. Well, it turns out that it was uh, the Germans who basically got corpses out of the morgue, dressed them in uh, Croatian uniforms where the bullet holes didn't match up in the uniforms, didn't match up, match up with the wounds on the bodies, and said this was this was uh, a Serbian atrocity, and so declare a no-fly zone. I guess that's they, exactly they, that's exactly what Zelensky, Zelensky is using the Ukrainian people as human shields uh, uh, to advance a basically Jewish agenda here. Yeah, and I think in Buka, the, the mayor uh, had announced that the town had been quote liberated, and the Russians weren't there. Then the, that a massacre occurs. Of course, if you might have you could you could have a lot of photographs with dead civilians, but then again, it was Zelensky government handing out weapons to civilians, so. You're going to get civilians yeah. shot at. I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, I can remember like the early on, there's this picture of this cute chick uh, <laughs> in her yoga pants standing on the balcony of her hotel with an AK-47. Honey, put down the gun. You're not going to make one damn bit of difference in this war. And you're endangering your life there and the lives of everyone in the apartment building there with you. Because at the beginning, it was all of this propaganda of three grandmothers in yoga pants stopped an entire column of Russian tanks. What a, what a story. Well, it's just, it just uh, if you have the right, I guess, morale and pluck, pluckiness, you can defeat armored columns. And you know, that's the you're, type you're of story. Lord, this, this, is, yeah. this, is, this is like Charlottesville, only it's much worse. Instead of just waving your tiki torch, you're picking up a gun and they have a right to shoot you. If you're waving some AK-47 in the middle of the street, the, the uh, soldiers on the opposite side have a right to shoot you. This is why you should never become involved with irregular warfare, which is exactly what is going on here. Mm -hmm. The United, the plan, if you, you can look uh, Hillary Clinton, talk to Hillary Clinton, she'll tell you what the plan is. The plan is the big plan for Afghanistan. Zbigniew Brzezinski lured the Soviets into Afghanistan, and then the United States, with the help of, used the Mujahideen, Osama bin Laden and his buddies as uh, proxy warriors to basically bleed the uh, Russians to death over a 20-year period. That's the plan for the Ukraine. That's exactly yeah, the, yeah. the plan. There was a RAND, I think, uh, paper study to that effect. I think published yeah. in 2017 that you provoke a foment a crisis in Ukraine and, and bleed Russia. Uh, right, right. And, and so this, is, this, yeah. this, this, this is criminal behavior. I mean, but Joe Biden is, is whenever, when he has this moment of lucidity every now and then, he'll start thumping his chest and talking about Putin war crimes and stuff like that. NATO is committing war crimes here. NATO is prosecuting this war from Poland. They're right across the border. This is yeah, it's supposedly NATO is supposed to be there to secure Europe and, and bring stability when it's been a force of destabilization ever since For, the end of the Cold War, right? Yeah, ever since the end of the Cold War, they have marched inexorably eastward. Yeah. Uh, and under Yeltsin, there was Yeltsin's job was to stay drunk while Jeffrey Sachs looted the country uh, and sent the money to the Jews on Wall Street. Okay. 
Uh, and then the, Putin, the rise of Putin uh, and this country starts to come back. It was in a death spiral, which was exactly what the West wanted, what the United States wanted, what the, what the neoconservatives wanted. Okay, and then he starts telling them, you know, time and time again, do not move closer. And they ignore him. And then do not uh, plan to include uh, Ukraine in NATO. Draws a red line, and they pers they persistently ignore him. Uh, Professor Mearsheimer gave this speech in 2005, I believe. Make a deal. This doesn't have to happen. We this this is NATO's fault. This mm -hmm. is not this is not the fault of Russia. NATO has consistently avoided any type of peaceful solution. I'm uh, NATO, the neocons who control NATO. The Jews who want to come back be, and and even the score because of something happened to their great grandfather under the czar's troops. This ancestral hatred of Russia that you find among Jews and I have to say among Poles as well. Yeah, they have a, a lot of um, at stake with with these narratives. I guess the being able to identify as a victim of a greater power. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, the story, the narrative of the pogrom. Uh, 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 the Jews brought them with them to the new world and, and it, they never lay dropped their radicalism and often how they relate to certain even incidents outside Russia or outside Europe, the pogrom still factors in because if you mentioned even something like the Leo Frank case where they, they saw it as something that like a pogrom or, or at least a spark for a, a program in America, even though such a thing is you know, simply not possible, nevertheless, it, it, it uh, inspired a reaction to that uh, case, which uh, Turned them into revolutionaries here in the United States, right? Particularly vis-a-vis -vis the South. They created that all on their own when yeah. they when the Jews made a sacred cause out of Leo Frank. This man was convicted by a the, uh, by a jury jury trial, and the the, the people of um, Alabama were congratulating themselves because they weren't succumbing to Lynch law. The, oh, George, the, Georgia, Georgia, yeah. Georgia. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they because they weren't succumbing to uh, the 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 lynch mob. They gave mm -hmm. the guy a fair trial. It was appealed. He was convicted. Uh, the the conviction was upheld seven times, including by the United States Supreme Court. And on the last day uh, before he left office, the governor of Georgia pardoned him, causing outrage among the population of uh, Georgia and 2000 men, armed men marched on the governor's mansion. They had a machine gun set up on his front porch and he escaped to New York City. Well, and he was treated like like a conquering hero, like a great humanitarian by the very group that had demonized, uh, basically demonized all, all of those Georgians, the very people that he was supposed to represent. He sold out his own people, became rich and famous, went on a world tour, all paid for by the Jews in New York City. Mm -hmm. And thus, um, they accused the people of Georgia of being anti-Semitic, more anti-Semitic than racist or anti-Black. Uh, and as a result of that, it, it actually just did an example of their behavior actually creating uh, what right. they would identify as or anti-Semitism or, or, or resentment towards Jews because right. of the outside agitation, which they rightly saw as Jewish power intervening in the affairs of right. you know, the sovereign state of Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The juror, the uh, the uh, defense, the defense lawyer said this. You know, this is this is said to the jury. This is basically Jew money from New York. 
-hmm. Are we going to let Jew money from New York rule Georgia? I think just fairly recently, Black Lives Matter, at least a a mob, uh, didn't they tear down the statue of Tom Watson? (laughs) Which, you know, I I didn't I didn't know about that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, these are people. There was no anti-Semitism in Georgia. The only the only Jew they knew of was Judah Benjamin, who was the finance minister for the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. So that's not uh, why is that bad? Uh, That was a positive. But they created the very anti-Semitism that they fantasized through people like Tom Watson. Tom mm-hmm. Watson, you know, rose to fame by a, a newspaper that just exposed what they were doing during the Leo Frank trial. Yeah, he became you a know? senator, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. I yeah. mean, he was he was a, 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 a hardly a pro-Catholic guy, you know. And he had all the prejudices of the Southerners. He called the he called referred to the Pope as a dago in a dress. <laughs> to, to give you some indication of how he felt about Catholicism. But but he I mean, that was the people he appealed to the people. And that finally. So uh, after the they the governor fled, a group of these guys basically lynched Leo Frank uh, and claimed that they were simply carrying out the the uh, the uh, the sentence that had been passed on him by the state. Now, that's obviously if you're a private individual, you can't carry out the state's uh, actions. So they were wrong in that regard. But they were outraged. And uh, look, this is the situation. Nothing has changed in so far. And by by that, I mean, you've got a situation where who who's who are these politicians serving? Do they represent the people or do they represent the uh, big money interests that pay their bills and get them elected by buying TV time. We have exactly the same situation now in Florida, where there's a big battle now between Governor DeSantis and Disney World. Disney. (laughs) Who is more sovereign? (laughs) That's right. You're exactly right. The question is, wait a second. (laughs) The sovereign state of Disney World basically rejecting the rule uh, of the governor of Florida. And God bless him, DeSantis in this regard is smart enough to understand what's going on. Unlike the the loser who was the governor of uh, Indiana, when there was another uprising there against the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, uh, Mike Pence, who then became vice president under uh, Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. DeSantis understands the situation. That is the situation worldwide. Yeah, Disney is a great example. Disney is a great example of that because you talk about the gay disco. Of course, Disney is a, uh, I guess, a big advocate or at least one of the main uh, forces promoting that around the world with this media empire. Disney, as a corporation, is dedicated to promoting global homo. Uh, They just recently had, I guess, it was a scandal, but you had Disney executives doing some sort of Zoom call talking about how they need to put more LGBTQIA, whatever, characters in movies. You have that one lady, Burke is her name. She's a, 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 a I guess, content or media creation exec vice president for Disney. I forget what her actual title was, but she goes on a Zoom call and she talks. she's bragging about the fact that she has two kids, one's pansexual, one's transsexual. My question is, what are you doing to your kids? I mean, geez. <laughs> I mean, they- yeah, that, that's bad enough that you do it to your own children, but now, now you're going yeah. to do it to everyone else's children. Yeah. They're, they're, this is one of this is a crucial. This is an important story, and we're going to have an article on the whole, the whole uh, what's going on there. Well, the context uh, here is that 
the, the parental education rights bill, which they're calling don't say gay bill. Basically, it's restricting or prohibiting the discussion of gay issues or LGBT trans issues with children up to age eight. Oh, so, wow, that's terrible. I mean, if you can't if you can't talk about your homosexuality to a toddler, you're living in a fascist state, aren't you? And now you have these teachers who are openly, well, they're grooming, they're indoctrinating these kids. You know, these schools have been hijacked, taken over by these activists for, for right. decades. And right. it's funny because remember Anita Bryant? Yeah, I do. And you remember back in the back in the day when she I remember when she she stood up against homosexuality and then there was a hate campaign orchestrated against her. Yeah. She said if you amend the Florida State Constitution to allow open homosexual teachers, they'll be grooming your kids. And they called her insane. And, yeah. and a bigot. And now they're yeah. now, now they're doing it. And I was just watching a um a video, I guess there was a MSNBC clip where you had a homosexual kindergarten teacher, a man. Now, I mean, come on, where's the judgment here? Anyway. He's talking about his children. He says he feels oppressed because he can't talk about what he did during the weekend with his with his lover to to the kids. Yeah, that's really oppression, isn't it? What, <laughs> I'm you like... know what what we're talking about here is the guilt. The guilt. Mm-hmm. Guilt is driving policy in the United States of America. Guilt. Don't underestimate the power of guilt. The classic example, one close to home, is he, the guy in press conference was. You know, latest press conference, he starts attacking DeSantis in Florida. Wait a minute. What, what state do you come from? What, who gave you the right to determine policy in Florida? And he's Secretary of Transportation anyway. Yeah. So why? So why? Well, because I'm saying, what is the, what is the, the cause of virtue signaling? Which is Pete is the, the most notorious virtue signaler in the world at this point, as far as I can tell, because he's always trying to tell you how he has a family. He's married. He has a family. He bought two kids from someplace or other. OK, oh, and now he's claiming just like just like everyone else. You know, where's the mother, Pete? Did you pay her? How much did you pay the mother? He, he, did, children. Does he complain about his stretch marks? No. <laughs> <laughs> the two of them were in bed together. You know. Well, there, wasn't there a video of his husband? Uh, what's his name? Chast or Chase, whatever, talking to kids about homosexuality or something. Uh, talking yeah, he, like, they were doing the the uh, homosexual pledge of allegiance. That was uh, that's video. what it was. This is child. This is chi- that's this is child abuse. This is child yeah. abuse, and, and they sh- no one should be allowed to do this, and they are compelled to do it by the guilt they feel over the. the unnatural sexual practices yeah yeah so that's that's what that's what's going on here so uh there the other story isn't he i know you know coming from me this is going to come as a surprise but basically the jews took over disney okay they they took it over after disney died there was a battle uh and uh out of the battle michael eisner emerges as the the new ceo of disney what happened at this point is you took a, a brand, a brand that was known for being family-friendly, family-friendly films, which is what Disney established, and then you subvert it. And now you use it, that, that uh, reputation as the entry level into the minds of young people to subvert the very thing that they were trying to uphold. The classic example is Miley Cyrus who becomes famous as a Disney character, Hannah Montana. And then as soon as she gets out from that, she becomes the, the, the public slut that she is right now. 
uh, a, a role model for uh, subverting the morals of of young girls who would look up to her as some type of uh, model of what they want to become. That's what's happened. Uh, they got uh, the new CEO, I believe, I don't know where the CEO now, but Bob Eager, and another Jew, is talking about how we have to stand up to DeSantis. We have to stand up to this rule because it's the right thing to do. He keeps saying this. It's the right thing. It's not about Islam, okay? This is the, the hero to wreck your culture. Uh, wrapping himself with some type of moral authority because he has Jewish privilege, because they control the narrative. And he's telling you it's the right thing to do. And we are going to stand up. We are going to basically uh, erect our own enclave, our own government enclave, where the laws of Florida do not apply. Well, DeSantis cannot tolerate that. No governor can tolerate this type of fifth column within his state. That's that's the that's the battle. They're the battle lines. They're drawn, and now we're going to see how it, it unfolds. Because apparently they were granted privileges, Jewish privilege. Where is that? Where have I heard that before? All the way back to the Middle Ages, where basically you're immune uh, somehow above the law, and you get to be police your own uh, section of geography in Florida. Well, it looks as if San, uh, DeSantis is going to work to revoke that. Yeah, that the CIA was part of that back in the uh, late '60s, helping I establish. Did. Yeah, uh, the, these two autonomous Lakeland, Florida, I think it was, and it was involved uh, Paul Heliwell. Uh, <laughs> so, and also, what's his name? The founder of the OSS, I think, uh, was involved in that too. In the, I didn't. Some, I didn't know that. I, I think. Did, it, yeah, I did a show on that a while back, but it was interesting history because the CIA is setting up. You know, is involved in, in, in now that could be just a corporate relationship because they swim in the same circles and that sort of thing. And so it's but it's it's an odd occurrence, you know, that no, no, this has become really serious because of yeah. the Ukraine, because the the CIA control of the narrative, the CIA control of mainstream media is determining the way mm. this war is being fought. That's precisely the point, because the Azov, the Nazis, the criminals, they know that every time they murder a Ukrainian citizen, it will be chalked up to the Russians. Well, and the uh, Russians will be demonized for it. Zelensky was a creation of media. And he had that Kolomoski, right? That billion Jewish billionaire. Yeah, the Jewish billionaire, right. Bankrolled right. him and made him fam- put him on that TV show. Yeah, him- and where, where he played a president. It was like yeah. the warm up uh, role. Uh, for for what he's doing now, where he's now playing the president, you know, uh, this man is un- it's unconscionable because he's sacrificing the lives of his own people for his own private fortune and the fortune of this cabal that wants to rule the world. This is disgusting. Well, it's I mean, what, what they, someone should call him out on it. One of the we're talking about, obviously, what's going on current, what's occurring in Florida, the culture war, then the legal, you know, the legislative battles with the laws, the fact that you have to pass specific legislation to protect children from grooming says a lot because it was a time when it was just it was just taken for granted these things just wouldn't be accepted uh the public morality being such what it was now obviously the culture war the things have changed and um but the even if you look at like countries like ukraine or eastern europe a big battle the battle line the cultural battle line is on these very issues whether it's uh hungary or poland and right now, Hungary and Poland are, are being attacked by the EU because as being members of the EU, they have to accept all the, the global homo legislation and they're rejected. Right. They've 
We've passed laws restricting adoption and marriage, restricting uh, 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 grooming laws or, or indoctrination laws in schools. Hungary just had a reformation. It passed, I think it was 43%, it was 41% to 3%. They didn't get the half 50% uh, majority, but I guess it has to do with participating in the vote. Nevertheless, 96% of the people who voted, who, who bothered to take part in, the, in that referendum in the election, voted against global homo. Uh, Poland's the same way. Um, right. Part of being the EU is global homo. We see that. That's right. Human, yeah. Absolutely. And and the Germans are the enforcers mm-hmm. uh, of, of this. And the Germans are now committing suicide because of this is this is the way the the Ukraine war has basically polarized the entire situation. Now Poland is at odds with Hungary because of the Ukraine because of the innate. Russian uh, Polish Russophobia. Mm-hmm. They are they are the main supporters now. They they are the direct interface with the Ukraine, and they're the main conduit for weapons into the into the Ukraine. So this and, is probably one of the underlying uh, uh, objectives or motives of this war. Absolutely, it? and and even it's even more apparent with Germany. Mm-hmm. So Germany has this pipeline. Germany has no energy resources whatsoever. They have to import their energy. They have to import their food, too. This has mm-hmm. always been the problem. But they are very pow- a powerful industrial nation. So if you give them enough energy, they, they are a powerhouse. But what's, the United States is upset. The, the, uh, the State Department is upset because they have just cre- created a pipeline, a Russian-German pipeline, Nord Stream mm-hmm. 2. And it's ready to open up. It's completed. And all they have to do is come up with the approval. And suddenly the war breaks out and this idiot Olaf Scholz sides with the the uh, NATO and basically shoots himself in the foot. Isn't Germany sovereign? Why is he taking orders from Joe Biden? No, no, that's the problem. <laughs> no, you're 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 wrong. Germany is not sovereign. They do not have a constitution. They have not had had one for for decades. Yeah, now. but we, we're all, all here about is Ukrainian sovereignty. So, oh, never mind. <laughs> Ger- that's the, that's the problem. The German, yeah. Ger- they have, the Germans have never signed a peace treaty with the United States. The mm-hmm. United States is still an occupying power in Germany, and the Germans uh, have simply succumbed to uh, this ruthless form of social yeah, engineering, yeah. Where, where they basically, uh, as I said many times before, they've internalized the commands of their oppressors. Yeah, that's now, the problem this is, with this Germany. Is why the, this is why their leadership is cutting their own their country's economic throat, right? Well, that, at a certain point. The leadership uh, realized the game that every other political elite in the world plays is basically you you give the illusion of popular sovereignty, but you, the reality is oligarchic control. And that in Germany means the Jews and it means uh, NATO and it means the American and so on and so forth. Well, here we have I mean, with this war. Uh, this, with this conflict, a border dispute in Eurasia between, uh, you know, the province, you know, Ukraine, which remember used to be we called it the Ukraine, not Ukraine. I still call it the Ukraine because it's a it's an area. It's you know, but um, you have this area where okay, you have a Ukrainian nationalists, which I can have some sympathy for. You also have Russian ethnics living in the eastern part, which I have sympathy for. You also have Russian, a legitimate Russian concern for their for security in their near abroad. So you have these three issues and in conflict. So how do you solve it? You really can't if you have an outside power in, encouraging, you know, one side to be intransigent, which is what you get with the with NATO and the United States when you're falling weapons in and the weapons in. So you have, they really have no, they have no uh, in the West or the NATO 
Anglo-American Zyro Empire has no interest in coming to a peaceful resolution this area because they see it as no. an opportunity to just create instability. And they love instability in these areas. That you know, whether no. it's Yugoslavia, whether it's Libya, or now right. it's Ukraine. Right, yeah. right. So Bill Crystal is willing to to fight until the death of the last Ukrainian, you know, thumping his chest from his uh, uh, think tank in, uh, in Washington, D.C. <laughs> yes. This is what's going on. This is despicable. And willing Zelensky, to, he's willing Zelensky. to fight every last drop of Ukrainian blood. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly what's going on here. You yeah. know, this is despicable. And, and I have to say, I mean, George Weigel is doing the same thing. I mean, if anyone had any respect for George Weigel, if I had any respect, which wasn't much, the last drop evaporated when he started thumping his chest from the safe confines of the Ethics and Public Policy Center. George, wait a minute. Zelensky's asking for volunteers. Pick up your AK-47, George, and go die for the gay disco. Don't just talk the talk. Walk the walk, George. Yeah, yeah. And how is it ethical public, public policy to funnel weapons in the area during flame of crisis? He, he specifically <laughs> said that. I mean, we have to give, so send weapons. People are going to die. Do you know who's going to die, George? Ukrainians are going to die. Like those women in the maternity hospital when the Nazis fired their artillery at it so they could blame it on the Russians. Every time, by, by the, the strategy is prolong this war and kill lots of Ukrainians, blame it on the Russians, wear them down with the propaganda war. Va uh, uh, Afghanistan, too. From same, his, model, same model in Yugoslavia, right? In the 80s and 90s. Right. Yeah. I, I did a show yesterday with my Croatian friend, uh, Tony, trying to talk sense into him because there are Croats who are now going over there to die for the gay disco. So the Croats identify with Western Ukrainians because they're Catholic, I guess. Yeah. Then, so then it's, he, it's a Catholic Orthodox split. This is not a Catholic Orthodox split. I, I, I kept trying to say him. This has nothing to do with Catholicism yeah. and Orthodoxy. It's got to do with Jewish revenge. No, I'm saying they're being manipulated because of that. Same the Poles, the, the Polish antipathy towards the Russians is being, is being manipulated. That's right. That. That's exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and so this is in many ways a stroke of evil genius because now you divided the Poles from the Hungarians, where before you had a kind of united front against the, the uh, homosexual agenda, uh, and now you've completely uh, neutered Germany uh, to where they are going to commit suicide uh, by yeah, they, cutting uh, off their own energy supply. Yeah, the food, apparently, I'm reading, uh, they're expecting food prices to go up anywhere from 20 to 50 percent, and then, then, then have a shortages after that. Um, the same thing I'm hearing about the problem with uh, the, the price of energy affecting agriculture around the world, the UK, the crops aren't being planted. Uh, yeah. Joe Biden actually gave a speech in his in his in his uh, a tour of Europe talking about he, he's actually working to disseminate food shortages to punish Russia. Wait a second. <laughs> when when are we going to wake up and realize that these uh, the oligarchs are at war with the people of the world? What, yeah. Who benefits from this? Well, uh, you know, the military industrial complex, they're making out like bandits. Turns out that uh, that so-called switchblade is worthless, that uh, the javelin isn't much better. Uh, but, you know, people will, people are, are dying because of this. It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It was, it was the 
uh, NATO's intransigence that caused this war. It wasn't the Russians. That that that's the problem. Mm-hmm. That's the problem here. Well, they you said have it, to uh, face up to it. It was Richard Luger, I think. I think it was Richard Luger. Who said back in the nineties that NATO would have to go out of business or out of area, and it definitely went out of area, didn't it? I mean. Yeah, it, I mean, it's like it's been it's, as soon as the Warsaw Pact evaporated, it became an aggressive military force. That's right. That's yeah. exactly what's what's been going on here. And it's and and the, the Russians repeatedly have asked for some type of guarantee, like a neutral Ukraine. That's not too much to ask for. And they, they look, you can't talk, you, listen, let's let's put the blame where it belongs. Who was responsible for this? Anthony Blinken. This is one of the greatest diplomatic failures in the history of the United States, or it was intentional. Either one, either they were colossally blundered or they were colossally wicked by deliberately unleashing a war that they knew was going to kill many, many Ukrainian civilians simply to achieve their end, which is basically the dissolution of Russia. You can't. Why are these people representing, claiming to represent the people of the United States of America? Blinken does not represent America. You can't talk to someone who goes into negotiations uh, when the first thing out of their mouth is they say that uh, they have relatives who died in the Holocaust. You can't talk to people like this. And you should not allow them uh, to represent the people of the United States of America. That's well, well, because they have a problem with, I guess, a, a loyalty issue, we could say. <laughs> That's exactly what they have. Yeah. yeah. You, have this, you have this residual Jewish animus against Russia as a Christian country. And their descent, this has been passed on to the descendants of the people who emigrated. And now they're the head of negotiations. It's either talking to Zelensky or talking to Blinken or talking to Newland. Where are the Americans? Well, I see a pattern there. I see, uh, you know, these uh, uh, Jews who uh, are, are installed, or they inveigle themselves, or they get installed in these positions of power for, uh, for the U.S. government, some other governments as well. Whether it's Madame Albright, Victoria Newland, Anthony Blinken, and their policy results in the deaths of untold hundreds of thousands, millions of Christians. Um, okay, and maybe that. Maybe I'm. That's just a, a coincidence, but it is a little, it's a pattern we should take note of, don't you think? No, the, look, they, they are cavalierly offering up the lives of the Ukrainian people mm-hmm. for their geopolitical goals. It's clear that's what they're doing. This war is going to drag it out as long as possible to have as many people die as possible. And so because this will bleed the Russians to death and then we'll take over Russia. Yeah, one thing I mean, this is this is what they wanted to do in the 90s. You mentioned it with with Yeltsin, Jeffrey Sachs, Larry Summers, and they went in. Basically, uh, it was the way it was set up as a bunch of. Of, of Jews in Russia worked with their cousin, Jewish cousins in New York and London to rape Russia. And right. Was, and, and so uh, Putin, uh, you know, once Yeltsin stepped down, uh, Putin got into power and started to, I guess, regroup and was able to eventually uh, sort of lecture the, 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 the old, kick them out or put them in jail or, uh, you know, and bring them under some sort of state control. And ever since that, then, he's, see, he's that's the exactly. That's exactly the point that people like Greg Johnson uh, deliberately ignore. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, it's Jews on both sides. So therefore, it's not meaningful. No, that's not true. You know, it does the president control the Jews or do the Jews control the president? 
That's the big issue. And so, okay, there are still Jews in Russia. There's still Jewish oligarchs in Russia, but they're working with Putin. The ones who refuse to work with them are gone. That was Putin's great accomplishment. I, I mean, it probably should have broken up all of these oligarchic forces, but, they, you know, he's a politician. That's it. That's his decision to make. I don't agree with it. But that's well, I guess so I, yeah, I'm not saying Putin's a white hat. I'm just saying what he represents no. is is Russia is a, is a you know, this kind of like the. It's a pivotal country. It's this pivot countries. It's its geographical location makes it vital to control the world. And because of its it's a continental power, it's by nature by nature conservative. Even despite seventy years, five years of Bolshevism and these things, it's it's a it's a fundamentally conservative uh, influence on on the world geopolitical scene. And so that's why it's this immovable object that the neocons are trying to uh, 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 you know destroy, which is, I think is a futile effort, but it's going to cause a lot of lot of trouble. In the in the process, you said you 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 say Jews, which is important. A lot of people like to call them neoconservatives or Straussians. <laughs> I like that, but yeah, it goes back to this ancestral hatred that they have for for Russia because of something they think occurred to them back in the 19th century, a reaction again to their bad behavior, which is a another pattern we see. So you know, yeah, and so, and so it goes right. It just never stops with these people. It's endless revolutions, Trotskyism. That's right. That's right. The Jewish revolutionary spirit. I wrote a book about this, yeah. trying to contextualize this thing, because political labels simply don't do the trick. As I, I realized this with Irving Kristol, mm -hmm. you know, the father of neoconservatism was a Trotskyite in the 1930s. Well, they're a, a polar opposites. What's the common denominator? It's this Jewish animosity. It's this Jewish revolutionary spirit. That is the that is the thing that holds all these things together. And if you can't talk about that, you will never understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Certainly not by bringing race, a racial narrative to the Ukraine. I said to Greg Johnson, I said, well, are, are the Russians white? Are, are the Ukrainians white? Well, yeah, they're both white. Well, then what's the battle about? This doesn't explain anything then. This yeah, doesn't it, explain it, anything. But then again, if you look at a group like the Azov Battalion, which would fit the description of a white terrorist group, where the U.S. government would think of it, right? Right. The U.S. government is now supporting it. But here in the United States, you're a white terrorist. If you uh, protest at your school board about critical race theory, uh, you speak up right. against uh, yes. uh, um, uh, COVID restrictions, then you, you're considered <laughs> – <laughs> domestic terrorist threat but yeah. it's funny you know how this is going to be instrumentalized because at the same, the same way the united states utilized islamic fundamentalists in afghanistan to fight the russians in the 80s then all of a sudden mujahideen became al-qaeda became the enemy and all at the same time kind of being the mm -hmm. same group of people but the u.s just changes the narrative then they also they became the enemy to, to support a war on terror now in five years from now we're will we have like white nationalists you know, Ukrainian terrorists in the United States that the FBI is now chasing down and, you know, for a domestic war on terror, they'll, they'll turn that around and say the same way that Mujahideen became Al-Qaeda, that the Azov Battalion will become some sort of white nationalist terrorist group the FBI is chasing or something. Yeah. But that, no, that's, but a, like, that's a regular warfare, though. That's what you're talking right. about. You can't control these things. That's right. You can't. And so within, let's say, within a two-week period, I, I don't think this is an exaggeration, you had this 
minister in Canada stands up uh, and announces that uh, Mrs. Sachs announces that she she starts the conversation by saying, I'm Jewish and I had relatives who died in the Holocaust and these truckers are Nazis. Yes. Honk, honk equals Heil Hitler. She actually said that. Within two weeks, the ADL is coming out and saying, the Azov Brigade, they're not really Nazis. They're good Nazis. <laughs> this shows you this narrative is a complete, a complete hoax. A complete yeah. hoax. It's been it's been imposed on us now for over 70 years. It is basically the 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 provides the vocabulary for every single moral discussion, whatever. And now it's totally meaningless mm -hmm. because the people who are Nazis are now getting Jewish support. And the truckers in Canada who are not Nazis by any stretch of the imagination are being demonized by using the same term. It's meaningless. It's time to break off this discussion here. No more demonization uh, by using these outmoded terms that the, the, the Jewish organizations like the ADL have basically exploded. Well, if you don't demonize, call people names, then you have to engage them on the issue and deal with that's right that's, that's not exactly a very right and that they don't like that no <laughs> at no. all that is the whole point to yeah. circumvent to yeah. to uh, short circuit any discussion of the issues that's the whole point of the media and right now you have a situation now u.s government is literally creating a global trade war that threatens to collapse the global economic system the industrial society and cause famine and food shortages even in the united states and we're told, you know, to suck it up. You just wrap yourself in a Ukrainian flag yes. to stay warm and eat bugs or something. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just, you know, over what? Over what? Who's, who's that talk show host? I forget. Stephen Colbert mm -hmm. says, well, it's worth it, even if you have to pay more at the pump because it's a just cause. Who yeah. are you kidding? Who are you kidding? This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's like a criminal conspiracy and everybody's ever, all of the media are in on the criminal conspiracy and they're creating a situation where innocent people are dying right now yep. in the Ukraine because those Nazi criminals know every time they kill a Ukrainian people like Stephen Colbert are going to say the Russians did it. Mm -hmm. And the, the, these very people, like the political class, I know we're getting late in the interview, I'll let you go soon, but people like the Romneys, the Pelosi's, uh, the Bidens, uh, their kids or their families are carpetbaggers in Ukraine getting rich off looting the country. And then they're not, now they're, they're, they, they're, they're, uh, they've played a role in fomenting a war, supporting a war. They're, I don't know, just because uh, I guess if Putin takes the East, maybe some of their um, interest will be affected. I know that Kolomoski a guy who supports, you know, who set up uh, uh, Zelensky as president, has a lot of uh, holdings in the east of the of, this, of the country who are Ill, that are ill-gotten, and he, I guess, he's losing them if Putin, if those regions go back to Russia. So he has a financial interest. He ran that bank, I think it was the uh, private bank or something that he blooted, and so he's a criminal and he, he's wanted in Russia, but he's a, yeah. one of those billionaires that are supporting that are supporting Zelensky. That's and so, right. And then, but promise uh, these Jewish oligarchs will, will will take their you know their lucre, their their ill-gotten gain, uh, money they earned or stole rather, and then give it to like groups Jewish groups in the West. So the Jewish groups defend them the same way, the same model you get with like Mo Dalits, right? That's the same. Uh, the That's ADL exactly does. right. Yeah, it's like, like a laundering thing. Give give enough money to the ADL, and they'll they'll uh, say anybody who calls you a a mafioso, a, a criminal, yeah. was an anti-Semite. 
So I'm that's that's, exact, exactly the yeah. same modus operandi. That's what's going on here. Then, then we're, everyone's being whipped up into a war fever as, as they plunder and kill people. It's, 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 it's terrible. So, okay, well, I told you I, I said I had you for an hour, so we're there. So I want to let you go. I want to thank you for coming back on the show. My pleasure, Tim. So it's the article, a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, so yeah, pleasure talking to you. And the article is, uh, uh, oh, wait a second. Here we go. I had the, uh, are, uh, are the white boys willing to die in defense of the gay disco at UNS, uh, at the UNS website? It's, uh, it's UNS.com, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, uh, the uh, more extensive coverage will be in the uh, next issue of Fidelity. That will the appear then. Yeah. The, the, the May, May issue. issue. Yeah, yeah the issue. April one just came out today. So, okay. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I'll let you go. Uh, uh, again, that's culturewars.com. Uh, subscribe to the magazine. I think the latest issue is on Trudeau and the Nazi thing, right? I, know yeah. I, I interviewed yeah. you earlier about that, but that was a, you, we, we interviewed before it was released. Right. And, uh, that's culturewars.com. I go there, subscribe. That's where you get the books, Fidelity Press. Thank you so much, Dr. Jones. You're welcome. Have a good night then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
and out ice fishing. Mm, too much repetition. Make a man wanna leave the only home he's known. Sailed out of the Gulf, heading for St. Pierre. Nothing to declare, all we had was gone. Broke down along the coast, oh, but what hurt the most? When the people there said, you better keep moving on. Yeah. 